Hey everybody, this is J.R. Bell with I Got Your Six Podcast. And this episode is the first episode of the year. I want to say to everyone, Happy New Year's, Happy Martin Luther King, and everything else in between. And also, I want to say to everybody, Happy Valentine's Day, Galantine Day, and all those other holidays that everybody seems to throw in. And this podcast, we're going to the beginning of the new year. I want to get something clear. It's been a while because I was busy doing some things, restructuring, moving, and getting things in and out. So that's why I haven't did anything. So I'm going to be doing some things. Right now, I'm going to be doing something new. In this episode, I want to talk about something that someone asked me, um, paid the question. The question someone asked me is about politics. And someone asked me about the presidency and about something that everyone just was curious about who's running for president and how do you get elected and stuff so I started doing my research and I started doing my homework and I started coming to the conclusion of here goes first off let's talk about motivation it's moto time remember this rich people poor people poor people act rich rich people act poor and remember that and remember whatever you believe in believe in something faith is believing in something you cannot see hear or see and it's something that you believe in whatever you believe in whatever spirituality you believe in or deity whatever whatever religions you are whether you're Mormon Catholic Christian Jehovah Witness um, Lutheran Pentecostal Presbyterian um, Community of Christ it doesn't matter or doesn't even matter whether you are whatever you believe in believe in something because something keeps you going and what motivates you all right, like affirmations for every day. You need to do those affirmations daily. That'll keep you going. Believe in your faith. It's what keeps you growing. Grow your faith. Grow strength and and, and numbers. And believe in something. If you don't feel that you be, you should go to a secular building like a church, or a synagogue, or a mass, or whether you or whether you're Muslim and you go to a mosque, but you still want to believe. You can do that. Do it at home because they said the body is the temple and that's the temple that you keep pure. Now, that's basically what that is. And that's a little bit about the motivation, okay? I'm not going to get really preachy or anything. I'm just going to say whatever you believe in, believe in that, okay? That's what I'm going to stress on that because a lot of people sometimes tend to not think of that. They, they only think of him or her or whatever deity at the, at the last moment in life. We don't want to think about that. We want that to be at the moment of truth. And um, what I'm going to tell you about is something that's what people talking about and everything else. Okay, we got that. We're good. Good. Got it. Gone. Now, listen carefully. When it comes to politics and about running for president or running for local office like senator, congressman or alderman or council member or mayor, it's all about he who has he who has the goal, he who has the gold rules the world because to run for mayor you got to have money to run for alderman or council member you got to have money to run for congressman you got to have money to run for senators you got to have money it's all about the money it's a money game say you are a democrat or you are a republican or you are a liberal or you are a conservative or you are a conservative or you're liberal or you are an independent it doesn't matter what you identify yourself as it's all about the money it's a money game it's it's nothing more than a money game like the board game monopoly 
think of that game. It's all about he who has the most money. Now, in this climate, we're, we're in this climate of age, we're having people running for president. The Democratic Party is running for president. Everybody there on stage talked about how in order for you to get on stage, you had to have a certain amount of numbers in the polls and you have to raise a certain amount of money. That's the key. Everyone has to raise a certain amount of money. It's a lot. I mean, to be president, you got to raise at least almost half, almost close to 500 million. That's what you need. Almost that much. You don't need that much, but that much is what's going to keep you because you got to go state by state. You got to run these ads and you got to have these parties. That's why you see a lot of the political um, people that are running for public office having these private parties with these wealthy donors that are donating large amounts of money, writing these big checks, because that's the catch. Unless you're like um, former mayor Michael Bloomberg, he's a billionaire. You notice Michael Bloomberg, he's been he's been dipping out of the um, political scenes and stuff by doing his own thing. Reason why he's spending his own money. He's doing what um, President or our current president, which is President Trump did. President Trump was spending his own money and utilizing social media, utilizing the advertisements of social media, getting things out there, cutting his cost. See, Michael Bloomberg's a businessman. People say, well, you make a great president. Would he? He's a businessman. But here's a key fact that probably a lot of you don't know. Majority of the, majority of the people that are senators or congressmen were lawyers, police officers, military. Most of them got college degrees. That's the key. You got to have a degree. And most of the degrees are you got to get a degree in like political science, like dealing with politics. Um, Senator Kamala Harris, I think I said her name right. Yeah, I think I got her name right. She was a former prosecutor. Meaning she was a lawyer. She got a law degree. Barack Obama had a law degree. Um, William Jefferson Clinton, former President Bill Clinton, was a lawyer. Um, former President, um, former President Ronald Reagan was an actor who also had a college degree. A lot of these people that run for office have college degrees, so they tell you that anyone can run for office. They're telling the truth. Anyone can, if you got a degree. The reason why? Because they want you to have that degree. Because with a degree, you need to know the politics of law. Okay, you run for office. We'll, we'll, start with the, we'll start with this. You're running for, say, president. We'll say you're running for president of some whatever. You're going to need a lot of money. I mean, it takes a lot of money to run for office. And then once you get in office, say you get in office as, say, um, a congressman. Say you're running for congress. You're a congressman. You get in office. You're running for office. So you're down there raising all this money for your, for your, for your campaign. You need a lot of money. You get all this money to, to get in there to run for Congress. And once you get into Congress, guess what you got to do? Now that you're a congressman or you are a senator, you still got to raise more money because you got to raise money for the party that you're with. So if you're a Democrat, so the Democratic National Conference Party, you got to raise money for them. And if you're a Republican for the Republican Party, you got to raise money for them means you gotta go out and you gotta you gotta go out there and you gotta call these big donors, call your rich friends, call people you know, have private parties, get more money, you gotta raise money, make phone calls. You're sitting there having pages. In DC, people have pages. Pages are people that are like interns. They work for free. The reason why they work for free because they're getting the experience. 
of working in D.C. So when they decide to go get a job somewhere, because all of them are college kids. They're not like just some kid off the street. Most of them are college, all of them are college kids. They get out of college, they work as an intern, they get more loans, and they start running around and they do this work. And they're making phone calls, calling people to donate money. Would you donate money for the Democratic National Party, Congressman such and such, or, or Senator such and such of the Democratic Party, or such and such of the Republican Party, Congressman of such and such Republican Party, or such and such of the Independent Party, you know, needs money. Can you help? Um, how much can you donate? Can you donate $100, $500, whatever? Any, any, amount of, any amount will help. And they need that money because they got to keep it going. Now, what I'm telling you this is because it's a money racket. It's a monopoly. It's a money game. And it's a politics. It's all about the money. And it's nothing bad. It's nothing personal. It's just he who has gold rules the world. And like I keep saying, it's all about the money. So you look at the, and when you start looking at things and, and you wonder that, okay, well, you're a congressman, you're a senator. Do you know that congressmen and senators don't make very much money? Most of them make about, say, let's say an average congressman, say about uh, 110000 a year or 120000 a year. Okay. All right. Now, now they got to be, now as a congressman, you make a hundred, say 110000 a year. We're just averaging out the amount of money. Now they're flying everywhere, so they got to spend money on flying. They got to buy clothes. They got their gas, light, water, utilities at home. Plus they got their office, their campaign office. If they're if they are a senator, they got a campaign office in key locations throughout the state. They got to staff it. So I mean, it's it's a money game. They got to get they got to get intern people to work for free. Sometimes people don't. People making 40000 40, 50000 that's not a lot of money. And they're not making a lot. Seriously, they're not making a lot of money. But they still do it because it's a noble calling. It's their calling to do what they're asked to do. And, I mean, realistically, that's how it is. And some congressmen and some senators are also ministers. Why? Because ministers are the perfect candidate to run for Congress and run for Senate and also run for president. And some are doctors, some are MDs, some have PhDs, and they all know the system of money. Okay, good example, hospitals. Private hospitals thrive off of donations. The reason why they thrive off of donations is because in order to get new equipment, they have special parties. The end of the year parties where they have all these alumni, people that are wealthy donors, donate money to the hospital to help their causes. Oh, I need, um, we need, uh, we need $50 million because we need to raise money for this wing we're going to build. So they go and have a party and they get out these parties and they get these doctors to talk about the, why they need this money. And these rich people will sit there and write these checks. The same principle I'm talking about is what they do in universities and colleges. College universities do the same thing with their alumni. If you are an alumni and you're wealthy, they ask you to donate money to the sports program, donate money to the, like the, they call it the athletic program for the football and the basketball. And then they have money for the arts program. If you ever look at PBS, PBS is the prime example when I talk about donations. PBS, um, what is it, four times a year, I think? Is it twice a year or four times a year? They have annual fundraisers, annual, annual drive, fund drive because they got to raise money to keep the show, keep the network on. They, they live off of donations. 
And without your don- contribution and donation, the network doesn't run. PBS doesn't show the content that you want to see. So if you want to see a certain particular show, you have to donate a large amount of money. That's why you ever notice when you look at PBS like Frontline and they'll say like the Hagee Foundation, the Getty Foundation, the Ford Foundation, the Park Foundation, the Carnegie Foundation, those endowments, people die and they leave their money to PBS to help their causes. So they get money to keep their shows and stuff that, that are on running. That's all it is. It's a money thing. Everything in life, it revolves around money. I started looking at it, when I'm looking at it from the point of view of, wow, you got to trace the money. Follow the money. That's where you got to follow. It's all about the money. Because, you know, and you notice a lot of senators and congressmen were taking kickbacks and and they were getting by these lobbyists or giving out these envelopes and stuff. Here's the trick on that. Let's say, let's say you're a congressman. Okay, I come to you and I tell you, I want you to not, I want you to not show up at a particular vote. I want you to vote no or don't show up. That's all I want you to do. Here's an envelope. We go out to eat and I slide you this envelope. And all I, all I want you to do is not vote, vote no, or I want you to vote yes. It's either or, the way, I, the way, the, way the companies want it done. If it's in their favor, they want you to vote yes. If it's, they want you to vote not in the favor, either or it's a plus or minus. They'll say vote yes for this. And you go in there and you put yes. Done. And you get this money. That's why a lot of congressmen living have this extra, they call it a side hustle. A lot of them have this side hustle. And that's what they're doing. It's a side hustle for them. And they're doing that because they're trying to they're trying to they don't make enough money so they won't have extra money on the side so they can take their wives on trips or they can go somewhere you know or be able to renovate their house you know because as a congressman and senator you live you get paid once a month congressmen get paid once a month congressmen and senators are like the president they're just like the president and just like the military they are a public official when you work with a government government people get paid once a month i mean that's the way the in the in the sense of the book it's once a month the annual budget for the government is october i think it's october or september that's the fiscal year for them not january like we follow it's their year and that's how a lot like a lot of state agencies and stuff get their get their grant money from the government once a year and they have to spend it and when it comes to October or September, October, they got to hurry up and spend what they have left before the fiscal year so they can get more money. And that's why a lot of places like, um, now here's the thing that I just found this out because I bumped into a guy, really good, really good friend of mine who was, in, who was a fireman. And he was telling me this, firemen's only work, he work in a major city. He says, I work 15 days out of a month as a fireman. I'm full time. I work 15 days out of a month. That's what I work. When you count the, you know, the days together, it's 15 days out of a month. The other days I'm not working, I have a part-time job. I have a side job. He says I'm a, I'm, I'm a bouncer at a nightclub on those days that I'm not working at the, as a fireman. I need money. I got to supplement my income. Some some firemen, um, they 
Some firemen work as EMTs on the days they're not working. So they gotta do, they do double jobs. So they go back to school and they get their certification as an EMT and they do as a, they become paramedics as well as a fireman. So they do both, you know, and it's like this gap. And I was like, I thought y'all make a lot of money. He says, not really. It's based on how many years you've been there. So a lot of firemen, you know, they, they build their income is based on their pensions. They're working towards their pension. Here's the principal thing. Now, now, when we look at money, let's take a look at law enforcement. Police officers do an enormous, great job. Cops do an enormous job. But here's the problem. They don't get paid enough. They do a wonderful job, but they don't get paid enough. Some communities have this thing called, called, called asset forfeiture. It's called cash cow, asset forfeiture. Here's an example. I drive, I'm in my car and I'm driving, or we're, we're driving, me and you, we're driving. We get pulled over by a police officer. He stops us. You are the driver. We're driving. You're the driver. I'm the passenger. You have, let's say, you're, let's say one of your taillights are just going out. You know, you turned the street. You turned the corner a little too, too wide just by accident. Well, nothing major. You get pulled over. That cop gets out of the car. He's writing you a ticket. The reason why? Because it's a money game. He has to write it. It's a money game because the city, the police department depends on writing tickets because they depend on that money. They depend on that income. That's true. They depend on income. Now, on the flip side, now when it comes to like, say, let's go, let's go into the department. We go to, let's say, drugs. We'll go to narcotics and SWAT and all that. Do you know that when police departments raid drug houses, here's what they normally do. In some major big cities, we'll use like the East Coast, some major big cities, here's what they do with them. Here's what, here's what the police department do with the money. Here's what they do. They raid a drug house. Drug house comes in here, they seize all the drugs. Okay? Drugs get seized. They categorize it, they log it, boom. Drugs get seized and it gets taken down. They also take the money and property, money, cars, jewelry, property, all the jewelry, cars, everything. They take all that and they go sell it. They take all that money that they got, drug money, all that dirty drug money. And guess what they do? They put that money into an account. And guess what that's for? Overtime. Police officers that work overtime, that's where that money goes for. Money goes to help out with the overtime. Money also helps out with certain programs that he used, like PAL, Policeman's Auxiliary League, and stuff like that. That's where that money goes to. And also the money goes to help offset some of the payroll. Yeah, because police officers don't make enough money. They really don't. And that's what I mean. That's why you ever notice when a lot of cops and stuff, they get, um, they get, they, they start seizing things. They'll, they'll, they'll seize your money. They'll take your money. They'll take your drugs and they'll take your car. And, and sometimes, you know, boom, you're done. And then on the flip side, we look at it like this. You, um, you go to court, you go to court, you go up in front of the magistrate. The judge, the magistrate, depending on where you live. If you live in a, um, like in the United States, on the East Coast, they have a magistrate. On the West Coast, in the Central, it's judges. We'll, we'll, use, we'll use magistrates and judges. You go before the magistrate or the judge, and the judge will tell you, um, your ticket is $400. Your ticket's $250. You're like, okay, how do you plead? 
you just turn the white turn, you say um, guilty, you plead guilty or innocent, or no contest. You get this public defender. Now, public defenders, sometimes people call them public depend, public pretenders. The reason why is because a lot of times they come in and they do not know you. They got the case, one hour. So they got one hour to review your case and they say, plead guilty or plead no contest. You plead no contest, you, you are letting the judge decide your sentence. If you plead not guilty, you gotta be, you gotta wait. You gotta, you're asking the judge to go to trial. You're asking to go to trial. 90% of the time, if you say you want to, you plead innocent, you say not guilty, they're gonna hold you over. They're gonna say, okay, we're gonna set a court date for trial. That means you gotta take time from your job to come to court. Then it's not guaranteed that that police officer will show up. Oh, you have to show up, but that cop does not have to unless. He's going to say, you got to get a lawyer. Then you got to spend more money to get a lawyer. Reality is, you need to fight it. Fight it. Personally, get a lawyer and fight it. I mean, whatever you do, fight it. Sometimes sometimes people can't afford a lawyer, so what do they do? They plead guilty. And then they say, okay, guilty, you are hereby, you got to pay the fine of $250 plus court costs. See? Court costs. And you've only been in there, say... So you've been in there, you sat in front of that judge for no more than 20 minutes. So for 20 minutes, they're going to serve you court costs. Court costs can be whatever the amount they, they set, whatever the cost is. Sometimes the costs can be $100, $200. If you don't have the cash right then and there, then they're going to put you on a payment plan. Then you're going to put you on a payment plan. And if you don't pay, guess what? They garnish your, if you don't pay, say you can't pay because you got a choice. Either pay, either pay the fines and court costs monthly, you know, that, that week, or, or you got to pay rent, or you got to pay your car note. You got to, you, you're deciding, you know, you got to pay, you got to pay your insurance, your auto insurance. And then you start thinking like, okay, what do I do? You know, and you're trying to rob Peter to pay Paul just so you can pay that. Some people will go get a loan and, and go pay their court card, but then you're getting yourself in debt. And see, if you don't pay court, guess what happens? They put out what you call a bench warrant. They put a warrant out for you because you failure to pay. It's called failure to pay. Then there's a warrant. Then they revoke your driver's license. They broke your driving privileges because if it's a traffic driving privilege, if it's a drug charge, oh, they put a warrant out for you. Then, or they just sit there and say, well, we're going to remand you over to jail. Remand you to, we'll remand you in custody until court costs. They're going to remand you. It means you're going to sit in jail. I read a case about a kid who sat in jail for five years, waiting to be, waiting to, waiting for court. They forgot about him. He sat in court. He sat in jail for five years, had not been charged. For that whole five years, he sat in jail, has not been charged with anything. When they finally realized the error, they just released him and let him go. Oh, you're good. You can go. But he had five years. That's five years out of his life. What I mean is five years out of his life, that's what I'm talking about. Five years out of his life that he spent in jail for something he didn't, for something that was minor. But he didn't have the money to pay the court costs. They just released him. Oh, and when they released him, yeah, he had to pay the court costs. He had to, still had to pay his fine. But he was in jail, five years. The judge finally realized when he still had to pay that fine, the judge says, no, you don't. So they dismissed the fines. See, that's what I mean. 
A lot of times you got to go to court just to get it dismissed. And then you got to hope and pray that that wonderful judge is in a good mood. That's what I'm talking about. It's in a good mood. See, everything, it revolves around money. It's a money, it's a money market. It's a racket. It's a monopoly racket. You know, I could talk about, I, I could talk, I can go in on about when it comes to religion. It's a money racket there. We can talk about that. It's a money racket. Seriously, religious is a money racket. The big time religion, not the smaller ones, the big ones. When I'm talking about big ones, I'm talking about like these big mega churches. It's a money racket. I've never understood the concept of money rackets and when it comes to the concept of religion. It's simple. These people get up there and they preach about prosperity. The, the prosperity gospel, talking about God wants you to prosper, God wants you to be wealthy. But if you look at if you look at the um, if you look at what Islam teaches, in Islam they teach one thing. They want they say if you have if you have the wealth, share your wealth. Help the, help those that are less fortunate. Now there are some religious, some ministers in non-denominational churches teach the teach the gospel um, that if you have it to give, give. Now I I went to I remember I went to a church where I had this pastor who literally said, I'm gonna he literally said this, pay your bills. Pay your bills first. Then what's left over, give 10%. But there's some churches, people will give 10% before they pay their bills. So before they pay their mortgage, before they pay their mortgage, before they pay the gas, light, water, bought groceries, they pay 10%. And then they're sitting there struggling while that pastor is living lavish. He's living nice, got a nice car, living in a million dollar home, got a brand new jet. He's living lavish because he says God wants him to prosper. But then you read the Bible, Jesus walked among the beggars, the poor, the less fortunate. I'm not being preachy or anything, but I'm just saying that's, like I said, in the bigger, more congre- more secular, bigger, wealthier churches, the mega churches, that's what they do. It's a money game. Here, let's do the math on this right here. Let's say you got 10,000, let's say you got 50,000 members. If 50,000 members donate $1, that's... $50,000, okay? Now, you know for a fact that every member is not going to donate just $1. Let's say they all donate $10, okay? That's going to be about maybe $500,000. If they all donate 50,000 members of this church, mega church, donates $10, that's probably five hundred grand. I'm just estimating because I'm not really doing the calculations yet I'm just estimating probably about 50, and then you got and you got some churches where you got football players that go there actors and actresses that make these millions and they're donating 10% of their wealth to this church to this pastor and and then you got churches like um, the Church of Scientology that's a that's a church because they've been recognized as a church organization and look at them you go in for an audit you got to pay for that audit. And that audit can be $100, $500, $1,000, $10,000, and they don't care. Where's the money? Where's the money? Where's the money? You know, Ms. Gavin, the president of the leader of the Church of Scientology is preaching about, you got to have this book. You need this book. You got to get this book. And you have to buy it. Because in order to be a member, you have to buy it. 
there's a lot of videos. I mean, if you want to know anything about the Church of Scientology, go look on YouTube. There's a lot of videos and stuff. I mean, uh, I mean, there's nothing bad or nothing good I can say about. There's nothing bad or good about the church because I don't, I don't know that much about it. But I do know about the audits because I remember one time I went where I, where I lived at. Um, we went and I did an, I did an audit. I went there and they wanted me with the e-meter and stuff, e-reader and stuff, and they, and I wanted to learn that. And they were, I was trying to get in there, and it was all. They said we get paid based on unit. I don't know what a unit is. A unit could be fifty cents. A unit could be a dollar. That's what they, you know, it, it didn't have a value. That's what it means. You know, it didn't have a price value. So that's what I mean. You know, and stuff like that. So that kind of bug bothered me. So I really didn't go, but I, you know, I would have. I was way back in the, I was way back in the eighties when I was young and still in school. That was in the summertime. I was getting a summer job and stuff. And that, that was, like I said, it was all about, I started looking at it, it's the money. Follow the money. So now, like I say, when I talk about the senators and congressmen and everything, it's all about a money racket. So if you ever thinking about getting into politics, do here's the thing, if you wanna get into politics, I'm gonna cut this really quickly because I just wanted to pop this up because I was talking about politics and stuff. That's why I'm doing this one on politics and and I added some other random things in there. Like I said about the law enforcement. Look, let me tell you, I'm gonna give this disclaimer. I wanna tell you this, look. There's a, I'm gonna give you this disclaimer. I'm I'm gonna be very honest because this right here is, a lot of people don't wanna talk about this. And I'm gonna say it, listen, if you are in law enforcement, People always tell me this. I always hear this a lot from everybody who's not in law enforcement. There's a lot of good cops. Cops are good. Listen, we're not saying all cops are good. We're not saying all cops are bad. It doesn't matter. It, there's a lot of good cops. There's a lot. But I want to tell you something. If you have one bad cop out of a whole, say you got a, let's get a bag of, let's get a bag of apples. Bag of apples. We'll get a bag of uh, uh, what runs faster in fruits? Because I'm a cook. I mean, I'm a culinary chef. I'm a culinary chef by trade. Let's think something that I know that'll rot fast. Okay, let's say let's say you get some. Let's say you get an onion. No, we'll we'll use an we'll use um, an app. We'll use a potato. Potatoes are good. They do that quickly. You get a potato. You get one rotten potato, put it in a bag of really fresh, brand new potatoes. Let that sit there for about a week, just a week, in, in good condition. I mean, not like sitting it out in the open. Just put the rotten put the rotten potato with a bag of good potatoes for a week. Let it just sit. You know, most people leave their potatoes out in like a potato bin and stuff. We'll leave it there. And guess what happens? A few of those potatoes will become rotten. Not all of them, but just a few off of that one. That principle is a simple method. What I mean is you got one rotten cop in that department. A lot of other cops are becoming rotten. It only takes one to ruin a good reputation of a police department. It doesn't matter what the doesn't matter what chief of police you have, doesn't matter what lieutenant you have, doesn't matter what sergeant, doesn't matter what corporal you have. If you have one rotten person in that department, everybody's rotten. The reason why is because you knowingly know. If you don't know, then they're gonna ask you, why didn't you know? Because if, 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 if you're a lieutenant, why don't you know the people under you? 
Why don't you know what's going on? You're supposed to know because you're a lieutenant. If you are a sergeant, you're supposed to know. You're the duty sergeant. You know. You hear rumors and you, and you let it go on. And when something happens, you're like, well, I didn't know. Well, why didn't you know? That's what I mean when it comes to like that. And if you are the chief of police, which is I understand when you're the chief of police, it's kind of hard because you got other people under you. And, and they're covering it up knowingly. And then you have the department, which is called Internal Affairs Bureau, IAB. That's what IAB means. If you don't know what that means, it means Internal Affairs Bureau. Those are cops that are, those are cops that are handpicked. I mean, they're actually handpicked. They're actually handpicked. And, and those cops have a, have a hard job. A lot of people will say, well, they're corrupt. No, not, not IAB. IAB is not, they're not that, they're not corrupt. The problem is, is that they go after the bad cops. But the problem is, there's a lot of bad cops. Like a good example, New York City has the largest police department in the United States. The largest. Their IAB department is huge. And they are constantly going after bad cops. But there's a lot of bad cops that are actually good cops. Because they're bad. They're bad. They're bad. Some of the time. But they're good in front of people. They, they, they do a lot of good stuff. But they're also bad. Like um, there was an example I remember I read on the news about a New York cop who um, literally choked a guy because the guy told told this cop he couldn't park here couldn't park where he was at he, he literally told him the guy was like you can't park here and the cop ch- was choking him and the guy that he was choking was a postal was a postal worker was a postal worker quote I'm not, don't quote me on that but I'm just saying it was a postal worker and he was choking this postal employee who was a federal employee and that local cop was, didn't, didn't have no remorse was arresting him because he felt like he felt like okay you know he felt like you invite you violated my rights he, he felt he felt like inferior <clears throat> like I said it's not all cops it's not all police department so so I mean be honest it's not all cops there's a lot of good cops I know a lot of good cops I mean I know a lot of police officers on my social media Especially my Facebook, I have a lot of police officers. I have police officers from around the world. And on my VK, I have police officers that are Russian. You know, hey, I, I have this rule of thumb. People are people. I don't judge them. I mean, I don't judge them. I know, I know drug dealers. I know drug addicts. They're my friends. I don't judge you for who you are. I got, you know... I know I have a lot of people that I have friends. I have people that are on my social media, like my Twitter account. I have famous people on my Twitter account that I follow and some of them follow me. People look at me like, oh, well, you know this person. Well, call them. You got their number? If I had their number, I wouldn't call them just because I know them. I know I know of them. I'm not one of these super fans who be like, oh, like a good example. I know somebody who's a big time Beyonce fan. I like Beyonce, but I'm not much of a fan. I like her music. See the word I said. See, I used the key tone word like her music. I'm not a big fan. I don't sit there and live my life according to her. I live my own life. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm an outgoing person, but I do things my way. You know, so what I'm saying is that you got to just 
you gotta, you know, that's just how it is. You gotta do you. Okay, now I'm about to cut this short because it's almost near the hour. So I'm cutting this was a little long, so I'm gonna cut this short. Now, in closing, what I'm saying is that you gotta follow the money. Just trace the money. And remember, not all cops are bad. Okay, there's a lot of rot, there's a lot of good cops, but because you got those couple of bad cops, it makes all cops look bad. You know, I hear a lot, you know, all look bad. Like, like, like not all pastors are bad. But you got a couple of rotten ones. Like there was this one pastor who sat there, was on, it was on social media. He was having, he was down there eating a girl out. And she videotaped it and put it on social media. There was another pastor that came out as gay. Hey, it happens. There was another pastor that got caught twerking, making his members on the church. He had a twerking contest in his church. And then there was another pastor that got caught having sex with his congregation, his male congregation, taking him out to a hideaway. And then there was another pastor that caught, caught embezzling money, meaning that he was embezzling the church money, spending on a lavish lifestyle. He was living beyond his means as a pastor. And, you know, it happens. You know, it happens with pastors and stuff like that. It happens with people like that. So what I'm going to tell you, and I'm, I'm going to be honest, what I'm going to tell you is that if you're looking to go to a church or something like that, or whatever, looking for a secular church or something, you got to do your homework. Sometimes it's better to just stay at home and read the good book at home. Or whatever book you read or whatever who you pray to, whatever deity, spiritual. Because I'm, I'm no spiritual person. I, I, you know, I'm, because I take bits and pieces from every religion and I use it to my practice. I understand, like when it comes to Catholicism, I like certain things that the Catholic Church do. People say, well, Catholic Church is all into pedophiles and stuff. You know, you want to you eradicate the pedophilias in the Catholic Church? Make priests get married. Make the nuns have husbands and wives. Make the nuns have husbands. Make priests get married. That'll eliminate that. Shuts it down right there. Um, I take little bits and pieces. Like I understand there's certain parts of the Mormon religion that I really duly love. Like I, I, I love the articles of faith and the words of wisdom. I believe in that. I love that because I love the strength of the family, unity, together forever, family values. That's what I believe in, and I like that. And I also like certain things when it comes to Islam. I believe that the, I like the word, like in Islam, it talks about purity, talks about giving, talks about the body is the temple, and cleaning, keeping yourself clean, also praying constantly, believing and praying five times a day, you know, eating right, living right, becoming a better you. You know, that's something that a lot of churches should get into is taking pieces from Islam and putting into practice. And then you look in, and then there's some things I, I, I understand when it comes to the community of Christ. I like some of their 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 views on on the way on their teachings and stuff, because I like some of the teachings that Joe, even though. I understand some of the controversy of Joseph Smith, but there's some teachings about him that I like. And there's some teachings about non-denominational churches that I like. Some teachings of Pentecostal I like. Some teachings of each and, see, there's each and every church. Like the Lutherans, there's bits and pieces of the Lutherans. And like Unity Church, Unitarians, I, I like certain things about them. See, I take bits and pieces of each church. 
each major church and I take pieces and I use it in my life. Now, the only part that I don't morally know about, and that's um, Jehovah's Witness. I don't understand most of that. I haven't studied that into, into light. So, so that's something I don't understand. I haven't did or anything. Nothing I, I wish I did understand, but I don't. But I, my auntie was a Jehovah's Witness, so, you know, certain things about that. I know they don't celebrate holidays. It's just another day. They don't celebrate birthdays. They don't celebrate Christmas and stuff. Because I understand why they don't celebrate Christmas. Because they believe, you know, that the birth of Christ, that Christ wasn't the 25th. Christmas, what, you know, Jesus didn't born in, this, in the land of David, you know, on the star, you know, land of David and, you know, the Judea and all that stuff. They believe, they, they have a different doctrination, which is, I understand. And, like, Mormons have a, a similar belief system. People always tell me blacks can't hold the priesthood under certain... Yeah, that was true. And I, and I understood the reasons why. Because, see, a lot of people didn't understand why Mormons wouldn't allow um, people of color to hold the priesthood and stuff like that. The reason being is because at the time when the Mormons were being things, we were slaves. People of color were slaves. And so we weren't free to roam. If we were free like normal people then they probably would have let us in and then as we began as we started progressing into the modern era yes that's when we started that's when they started changing things it's not they had a revelation no they started realizing and like polygamy and stuff like the FLDS fundamentalist church of FLD fundamentalist latter-day saints those are the ones that believe in polygamy and they like in like Warren Jeff's kind of cult set not cult, set, well, you can say they're cult, set, they have this belief where they believe in the plural families. That's an old, that's an old, um, it's an old LDS testament. And that was during um, Brigham Young's um, reign, as well as Joseph Smith. He believed in plurals. He believed in marrying as young as 10, 11, 12. That was back in a time before we started, women started having a voice. So, you, you know, people started saying, well, what about this? That was during a time when women didn't have a voice. Women didn't have a voice until the night, until the early 1900s, when they had the, when they, when they started coming out the, the women of suffrage, you know, and that's something I might do a podcast on and stuff. But I just want to get that in there and get that out, and I want to talk to you about that. So I take bits and pieces, and that's how I, that's how I get my religion. You know, I, you know, I just, I'm a spiritual person. I also follow teachings under things like Mother Nature and stuff. Like, you know, I, like I, like I did homework and studies that before no, before Adam. Before Eve, there was Lilith. Lilith was before Eve. And because Lilith didn't um, cleave unto Eve, didn't cleave unto Adam, she was banished. And she left. Because she wanted to be independent. And then God created Eve. Eve was subservient and cleaved unto Adam. You know, took a rib bone from Adam and created Eve. Yeah, because Lilith left. Because Lilith was, Lilith was equal to Adam. You know, that's what the old, that's what they said. I don't know if it's true or not, but that's what they say. Lilith was an equal to Adam, and Adam didn't like that. He wanted someone to be less. Because if you read the Bible, it says there's very few chapters on women. And the chapters they have on it's very little. So you have to get the Bible, like the, um, the best Bible, I, I, I always tell anyone, if you ever want to get into the Bible and stuff, you're in religious, want to understand the Bible, Thompson's Chamber Bible is the really good Bible. I'm not, it's not endorsing anything. It's just something that I'd say that you would want to read because it has all the different bridges to you understanding the Bible. Not saying that you're religious, but, you know, that's something you can read. And a good book to read 
and I, and I really will stress it. These two books right here that I will tell you, if you ever want to understand something, you need to read this. You need to read the Book of Mormon. Read it. Seriously, read the Book of Mormon. It's a, it says another testament of Jesus Christ. It's not saying it's the Bible. People always misconstrue that. It's not the Bible. It's another testament. And you need to read the Quran, which is the book that Islam, the book that most modern Islamics, most Muslims read. You need to read Islam. Because I'm going to tell you right now, Islam, the Quran is the only book that I know that has not changed their scriptures ever. It's the same scriptures since the dawn of time when Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, created, wrote those down, had those translated. And every time they translate them, if one little sentence or word is misconstrued, they destroy that and redo it. That's how rigorous they are. So, I mean, trust me, if you want to understand some religion, study other religions. If you want to be more world-rounded, study everything and see what works for you. Okay? All right. So, I'm done. I got to get out of here. So, this is J.R. Bell. You know... And I got, this is the Arabelle, and I'm out of here, and I got to get out of here because I got to go pay some bills. But I just want to say to everybody, Happy New Year's, Happy 2020. This is the leap year. This is politics and everything. Think about that when it comes to politics. I might do another podcast on politics and money and stuff, but I wanted to put that out there because I had to get something new. I haven't did it in a while, and something just bugged me, and I need to get it out. And I wanted to get one out, all right? So I'm going to talk to everyone, and I want to tell y'all, everybody... I want to tell everybody, remember this, rich people, poor people, poor people act rich, rich people act poor. Think about that when it comes to tax time and right about now, it's tax season. Okay. So think about that. All right. Remember that. All right. And that's what I'm talking about. Think about that when it comes to tax time, because tax time is the time that when you should be taking that money that you get back, people are like, oh, I'm getting my money. No, that's money. That's, that's your money. It's not, you're getting free money. No, that's your money. And you're getting it back. So put that to good use. Pay off some bills. You know, use the money to pay off some bills. Or if you need to get caught up on something, caught up on groceries, pay some bills. Or take the money, invest it in an IRA, get a 401k. Do whatever you got to do. But take that money and invest it or pay off some bills and stuff. Don't just go spend happy on whatever things you need. Or just go get new clothes. But if you don't have clothes, then you need new clothes. But if you got kids... Spend it on your kids. Buy new things for your kids. Get some clothes for them. Pay some bills. Take care of business. TCB. Take care of business. All right. This is J.R. Bell with I Got Your Six Podcasts. And until next time, we'll talk to you later.